going to South Carolina and Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico. We're going to California and Texas and New York. We're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. You are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge with Sean McGuire. Join the conversation at 402-342-1290 or at 800-577-1290. Once again, direct from the American heartland, here's your host, Sean McGuire. Welcome back to America's Healthcare Challenge. Hope you're having a great week and hope you can get outside and exercise a little bit because that is important. Uh, Not like I'm this uh, paragon of health or anything, but... It is important to get out there and move in and uh, breathe in that fresh air. And um, we're talking about uh, the health care of the future. Earlier in the monologue, I talked about whether or not I thought individuals could live to be 100 as kind of the standard. And um, it's possible. But then the question that I threw on the table was, well, how are we going to be able to afford to pay for everybody if they're living to 100 years old? And we're joined with uh, on the program uh, again by Adam Matar from Matar Pacific, and uh, you're kind of a healthcare futurist. Um, do you think people will be living to 100? I think it's quite possible that that people could regularly live to 100. There's a lot of research going into this. What's interesting is it's coming from the technology field. You have the folks over at Google looking into this. You have you have technologists that are talking about transcendence actually occurring within our lifetime. Now imagine that, if humans and machines, AI, robotics, if we have the ability to merge, what that does, the concept of time becomes much more irrelevant. We're, we're no longer talking about 100 years. We could, we could talk about actual events and initiatives rather than a timeline. We could talk about milestones, going towards goals that we never achieved or even dreamed of before. The next machines that leave the solar system could have humanity in them because we're, we can now be timeless. It's amazing what, what folks are looking at nowadays. How would that even work? I mean, what, what, what do you think about this artificial intelligence? Do you think this is a, I mean, it's just so far out there, I don't even know if I can, you know, wrap my head around it quite yet. I just think it, you know, it's just really kind of neat to, to think about and talk about because, you know, being in the healthcare industry, a healthcare industry enthusiast, Thinking about what some of these things are, are potentially going to be able to do to healthcare is unbelievable. I, I absolutely agree. So the best at artificial intelligence that I've seen out so far, to boil it down to a very simple concept, is uh, a very sophisticated Monte Carlo simulator. They cannot come up with their own initiatives, but if you give them the parameters with uh, an unlimited amount of variables, they will be able to optimize. That technology does exist today. The, the concern about AI is overtaking humanity, that is something, if that would ever happen, is, is a long way off. I, I don't know if something like that is even possible or even a concern. You don't think so? Part of me wonders if the machines are taken. Could, I mean, they could. I mean, No. Uh, ultimately, the, the risk right now, it, again, it goes back to something I mentioned earlier in the segment, and... and and that's uh, having technology replace more sophisticated, complicated workers with um, lower price uh, workers. So do you think people, I mean, where are people going to work in the low-skill 
workforce? I mean, are, are those going to get replaced by the, these types of technologies? There, there's always pressure to do so. Labor is typically the largest line item on any balance sheet for an organization. There's an opportunity to lower the skill sets to perform the same task. Uh, I, I think that executives have a fiduciary responsibility by law to, to do so. What, what, do you, what are some of the other interesting technologies you've kind of noticed as you're you know, doing your research and just reading about things? Uh, that, that's, a, that's a good question. I think right now a big focus in healthcare is about the security of the data that exists. Yeah. We're creating more information than, than what we could protect, and I, I think that should be a major priority for an individual, for policymakers, for the organizations that are responsible for that data. And I'm seeing a number of organizations, both large as well as startups, trying to, uh, to address that problem. I would focus on that as a priority um, before something, out, something else 10 years out in the future. We need to protect the information about uh, our most personal selves. Yeah, I mean, what, on a scale of 1 to 10, how big did you think that um, Anthem data breach a few months ago was? Well, for the individuals involved, I, I would say it's a 10. Yeah. I, I would rather have my financial information at risk than that about my personal self or my family. Yeah, I mean, you know, being able to secure this data is just something that, you know, that's just they need. It needs to be an area of focus. But they need, you know, they they obviously these people need some help, probably right. walking through that. Uh, right, but inter- but I, I love the idea, uh, of amassing the data in the first place, Kaiser. For, as an example, my, my former employer, Kaiser Permanente, is, is probably the largest record holder of uh, medical record information in the world. And, and with that, they're able to identify trends and correlations that nobody else ha- had been able to evaluate before. And that drives towards preventative health. That's kind of the beginning of this, what, population health management type of, of stuff? By using the the analytics, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and what I what I like about it is, is that it puts the power back into the individual. The more information that you have, the the better choices that you can make. And the best thing that anyone could do, particularly nowadays with the disruption in the healthcare system, is to avoid it altogether. What do you mean by stay, that? Stay healthy. True. Stay out of the system. Take advantage of the information that, that's being produced out there. Yeah. Look, you know, do your own research and and so on and so forth. I think people will once uh, because of just all uh, of the shift in the insurance. That's another part of the you know the the puzzle is everybody's got these high deductible plans, and so you know they're they're going to have to be paying out of pocket for a lot of these things. I think that's going to force many to uh, shop around too. Economics is typically the biggest driver. I would say that much more so that, than even. The risk of adverse health events is the biggest driver for for behavioral change. I agree. What what do you think this uh, price transparency uh, um, of that kind of movement going on in Silicon Valley, as far as people really trying to look at payment uh, data? Do you think that's kind of a, a big deal that people should be aware of? Absolutely, it'll, it'll allow for shopping around. You can you can now jo- not just compare quality between facilities between healthcare providers, which we have some level of information too. You can now compare that quality with the cost that comes with it. Maybe it's cheaper to go to Cleveland to, to have a hip replacement done 
than it is to stay in Omaha. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably well, going to start gonna happening. For it. Yeah, it, it, you have access now to the to the best information to figure out with the best level of care that you could reasonably afford to to assume out of pocket. Wow, it's it's going to be interesting to see if it, you know if people really start to to do shop around and, and how that's going to impact price. I think also it's kind of on the the supply side just with all of these things like you throw in telemedicine but now these pharmacies i think it's a walgreens or cvs they're going to be doing a lot of stuff there i mean it's and and that's a very good point the future of healthcare might not necessarily come out of the existing establishments it was a computer that replaced a typewriter and a telephone that replaced the telegraph it's not the telegraph companies that that invented the telephone. Hmm. It wasn't the typewriter companies that, that created the personal computer. That's true. That's true. So let's go to final question, Healthcare 2020. That's kind of what I, what I like to think. And, you know, where do you think we'll be in year 2020 um, in the industry? What, what do you think is going to be happening? What, what do you think viewers uh, should be preparing for? I think there's going to be more opportunities for home health care. There's going to be a greater push to stay out of the hospitals, in the first place, and there's going to be greater control for the individual. The hospitals, I, I don't see too many of those built anymore. I, I see that as potentially going away. The, the future of care, uh, regardless of, of the age of the population, is going to be mass customization. Imagine it, I, I allude to the 3D printer. Yeah. A 3D printer allows you to, to make anything on a massive scale, essentially, that that within the parameters that the, your printer works in, it, it can produce. Well, I could see that happening in healthcare as well, too. So mass customization, the, the ability to receive a lot of care at home. And this is very important, particularly for lower income in rural communities mm-hmm. who are increasingly losing access to the, to the institutions for care. Well, you, if you have the ability to receive a high level of care within your own home, your preference is going to be to stay within your own home in your community. This could be a boon, in fact, for, for those areas, particularly when you bundle it with what Tesla announced the other day with the battery. Well, they do. Well, the, the announcement on the residential battery pack, right? Well, that, that's, that's a good opportunity for uh, rural communities and small communities. You, you couple that with the fact that you might not necessarily have to travel to a large city to receive... Uh, regular care or certain types of care, and there's much greater incentive to stay within those communities rather than see them die off. The the important thing is to protect the population most at risk, and I think think we're going down that route. I'm very optimistic about the future of care in America by 2020. Especially because of technology. Because of technology. Interesting, interesting. Where can the folks find out more about your business, Adam? Really appreciate you coming on the program. Well, thank you for having me. I have a website, www.matarpacific.com. Okay. Uh, that, that's a good starting point. Cool. And if anybody's in, in the need for a medical office building, you're the person to call. Thank you. All right. We'll talk to you later. Thanks again for All your right, time. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Coming up next segment. Uh, we're going to take your calls if you wish, 402-342-1290. If you want to sound off uh, about our conversation, the healthcare in the future, uh, kind of like uh, Conan O'Brien in the year 2000, if you will. But uh, we'll take your calls next. You're listening to America's Healthcare Challenge. 
Check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash America's Healthcare Challenge. And um, also check me out on LinkedIn. Basically just search Sean McGuire Obamacare, and I'm the one that's going to come up. We'll be right back. <laughs> 